creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, April 12th, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and before I introduce the cast, I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Creating a site with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with a click of a mouse. Uh, You can even design a best-in-class online store with their award-winning templates, customizable settings, and more all without a single plug-in. From nationally recognized brands to your favorite local shops, Squarespace is trusted by hundreds of thousands of savvy shop owners around the world, including all the tools needed to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails in one intuitive interface. Squarespace Commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. And right now, Squarespace is offering Relevant Podcast listeners a special deal. Go to squarespace.com relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your site, use the offer code RELEVANT to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. I've used Squarespace for years. You should too. Squarespace. All right. Joining me here in our Orlando studios on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Stern. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Welcome one and all. And we are continuing <laughs> this fun thing we've been doing for the last month where uh, once a week we have like a guest Join us, join the cast for the entire show. And today, joining us from Austin, Texas, is a speaker, author, and host of the podcast, The Happy Hour, Jamie Ivey. Welcome. You guys, I'm so glad to be here. I literally got the email yesterday and screamed out loud. <laughs> oh, really? Seriously, I'm not kidding. I've been a listener of you guys' show forever. You make me laugh so hard. I cry in the car. And so I can't believe that you invited me. I'm so thankful to be Jamie, here. Jamie, I also cry in the car, for, but totally different reasons. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. It has nothing to do with the podcast. Now I feel a lot of pressure for this episode, Jamie. Yeah, I, felt, I felt totally good going in, but now it's like, oh man, she set a very also, high bar. She's expecting to laugh till she cries. Thank you, Jamie, for putting it on blast that we do not plan ahead and we only <laughs> invited you literally yesterday. So make it seem like this has been hey, happening. I mean, I could have. you could have asked seven more people i could be the eighth ask i don't know but no, i don't care no. i don't care no, if we i'm eighth nervous. or tenth I'm number in. one we, you we were, were number nervous. one on the draft board number one on the draft <laughs> yeah. Board. yeah but how do you but how do you you know what what are the odds that she's gonna say yes we're just a podcast and she's such a cool author and speaker she lives in austin texas objectively one of the top three coolest cities in the united states oh what yeah. if we didn't think you'd say yes uh, I, I thought it'd be good here at the beginning of the show for, to have our listeners get to know Jamie. She's got a big following. She has uh, a very successful book called If You Only Knew. Uh, her podcast is really popular. But I thought, Jamie, maybe tell, tell us the elevator pitch. Tell us who is Jamie Ivey. Gosh, this is so hard. You know, they teach you, like, get it down in 30 seconds, and then yeah. you start going. You have no idea. Okay, live in Austin. Thank you for top three best cities. We always like to say we live in one of the best cities, but you know, everyone in Texas, we think Texas is the only thing that matters in the world. And so, yeah, that's how we are. We're weird, (laughs) but live in Austin. My husband's a pastor here. I write books. I interview people. I parent four kids and drive them around everywhere, travel and speak. And that is my life. That's what I do. 
Okay, wow. we, but, but Cameron, I know you have some get to know you questions there, but uh, you know, as someone who interviews a lot of people, Jamie, I want to know who is your favorite person that you've ever interviewed. And you don't have to name names for the second one, though. If someone asks me the question, I will totally name names. What is the worst interview that you would that, that what's have you has ever one ever <laughs> gone south on you? First, so first so go so with so the best, and then has one ever gone south? I actually am going to start with the worst. Okay. Uh, I have had, and I don't know if this has ever happened. <clears throat> I don't know if this has ever happened to you guys. I've had an interview that didn't air. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. And oh. That, that puts me in a weird position. Cause oh, I'm yeah. like, Oh man, but I still weird. I just did yeah. one literally. Yeah. And I haven't told the guy yet. So oops. <laughs> How are you going to tell him? That's the problem. Uh, well, now everyone's going to know. Cause next, they're going to be like, where's time, my interview? Next time I see him, I, I, I got to tell him in person. It was a tech issue and I traveled. And it was a big deal. And uh, I came home and the guys like with pale faces and fear in their eyes told me that something corrupted in the file and it's unusable. So former President Obama, we are very sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) We will come back out to your estate at another time to record. You know, the the worst thing that ever happened, though, I have a tiny house. That's where my office is. And that's where I record all my interviews. And so people come in, they fly into Austin, they come out to the tiny house. They sit down to interview. One day I'm sitting here at my desk just like this. Like when I do an interview, I will put on like some real clothes, right? But if I'm just working, I might still have my slippers on from the day because my house is sure. like 50 yards away. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I'm sitting here and there's a knock at my door. And it's an interview person who drove into town and uh-huh. I did not have it on my calendar. Oh. I didn't know it was happening. <laughs> I barely knew who it was at the door. And I literally opened the door and then my brain starts telling me, this is an interview, Jamie. Oh, this is who this is. And then I said, y'all, I lied. I already asked God forgiveness, but I said, oh my gosh, I'm on a conference call. Can you give me just a few seconds and I'll be right back. And then I did the interview and she doesn't know. No one knows. I'm not telling who it was. So, so, but you did no prep coming in and you were just and zero, you nothing. It. But those are, the, those are the best. That's what I do. I don't prepare. Ever. <laughs> no, Jesse, my prep was when I said I got to finish this conference call. I went back to my computer and Googled her and then I got a few, you know, talking points. Yeah. For no, our no, first lady, no. Michelle Obama, please take a seat. We will jump right in. So you have a new book. <laughs> yeah. As soon as this conference call is over, former first lady, Michelle Obama. <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot move this important conference call. So nice of you to drive here from Austin. You know, from Cameron, DC. you do kind of like to wing it. I remember, I, I hope this isn't too much behind the scenes. We That's can come out if it is. But Cameron, you used to, before you'd go into a big interview, you would give me a call or Jesse a call, sometimes <laughs> both of us together, and we'd yeah. talk through the whole direction. We'd, we'd get all like, right, I'd go, uh, we'd I'd bo- go like, all right, points. tell me Jesse, what's interesting about I would have read about it <laughs> and then when, then you'd go into the interview we'd get the transcript and it was a, it had it was unrelated to what we had discussed <laughs> it was a completely separate conversation I, you guys, I will not, you guys I will not reveal me. who the interview subject was but one time Cameron flew all the way to LA so conceivably Cameron you, could, you know that airplane time could have been cram time but it's I'm looking at my watch. Me and Tyler, I get the call. It's Cameron. He's like, hey, listen, I'm uh, I'm, I'm putting together some questions for so and so that I'm here to interview. Yeah. You know, and he does. What should we know? And we're like, OK, cool. When's the interview? He's like, it's like five minutes. I'm like driving there right now. Oh, <laughs> well, first of all, the flight to L.A. is the 5 a.m. And so that yeah. prep time is called sleep. And so I sleep on the way there and I land and go, okay, I'm about to talk to so-and-so. I should call Jesse real quick and uh, (laughs) figure out what to talk to them about. So yeah. Yeah. Those are some of the best interviews though. When you come in and you're just have, you you don't, you don't know anything. So you just, well, here's the deal, Cameron, it can go really well or really 
poorly. Like if you just give them an open space, some people can handle that and they run with it. Some people are like frozen. Like, I don't know how to do an interview. Okay. So here's my mindset, Jamie, like literally, because I'm not a journalist. Tyler and Jesse are professional journalists. They're incredible (laughs) at their job. They do interviews every day. I do them rarely. And so this new podcast that I'm doing has been kind of a stretching exercise for me. But my mindset going into it is I do want to find... I only want to have people on that I'm genuinely curious about. They're doing something that actually... I like or I'm interested in, you know? And then I, my mindset is I'm just going to like dinner with them. Like, let's just go sit down. If we were to go to dinner for an hour, there's not going to be dead air. It's not going to be awkward. I'm not going to have note cards, you know? So if I know enough about them to want to go to dinner with them or want to interview them, then I'm good. And we'll just talk and we'll figure out where it goes. It naturally will reveal itself. And so far it hasn't, I haven't had any duds that <laughs> were awkward <laughs> like you're talking about, but yeah, I, I am kind of playing with fire, I guess. Oh, well. But, but you, Jamie, you've also revealed a strategy for any like authors or people who want to be guests on the happy hour is literally you just have to show up to your tiny show house. You have to figure out where the tiny house is. Knock on the door during work hours and be like, hey, I'm here for the interview. Uh, you know, you didn't get like the notification. I'm like, come on in. Let's do this. Let's do this. I, I, I do want to hear your best interview now. Yeah, what's, Jamie? The best? what's your coolest? Like people ask you, who's the coolest person you've talked to? You say. Well, I. I, I want to say like everybody because I'm just nice like that. But I really I enjoyed that for a second. Getting, <laughs> okay, but listen, I really did enjoy getting to interview Kathy Lee Gifford because I she's probably my biggest name person I've ever had on. But I'll tell you this. My most unsuspecting one of my favorite interviews ever was a couple of years ago and it was Sally Lloyd Jones. Do you know who she is? No. She do y'all have y'all have kids? You have the Jesus Storybook Bible? Yes. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. She's the author of the Jesus wow. Storybook Bible, which if you're the author of anything and it has the word Bible in it, that's just Scary. crazy. But it was a phenomenal interview and I didn't know what to expect. She's um, older than me. She's British. Like it was just and it was brilliant and it, so much fun. That that piece of work, honestly, is one of the like Eugene Peterson's The Message was incredible. But I think what she did with that children's Bible, the Jesus Storybook Bible, honestly uh, opened my eyes as an adult to a heart and a message in scripture and some of the stories that that are missed on the normal reading of it. She revealed something about scripture through that book that is phenomenal. As an adult, I would say go read it. It's so Me good. too. I agree. I agree. It's beautiful. So I love chatting with her because I just I have a special place in my heart for her. This, yeah. I don't mean for this to sound uh, <laughs> ignorant in any way, but <laughs> I'm going to say it. <laughs> Interviewing people with British accents are the best. Because they sound super smart and they're always very polite. Like even if even if they're, they're clearly not enjoying the interview, for some reason, people with British accents in interview settings are always super polite. And you feel like, oh, wow, I'm getting the best interview ever because everything they say sounds brilliant. <laughs> I interviewed a guy. I think we played a clip on the pod for a mag story. He was he's a he's a he's an academic at like Oxford or something. And his real name was Dr. Jolly. He's like, hello, Dr. Jolly here. I'm like, this is gonna be the best interview ever. This guy is awesome. I love interviewing British people. Yeah. So true. So true. No matter what. But I will say I interviewed Lisa Turkers uh, this year and she was an amazing interview because she's just amazing and brilliant and so smart as well. Was it intimidating okay. interviewing Kathy Lee because she is a professional interviewer? Like whenever I interview well, she, like a fellow journalist or broadcaster, I'm always like, they're probably picking me apart. They're probably, you know, I like to think of yeah. it as like a Jordan versus Bird situation. You know, they're probably very intimidated by me. But uh, someone like Kathy Lee, I, I'm sure there was it was a little bit of that going on. 
No, here's what I think about that interview is uh, it was over Skype like this and she couldn't see me. I couldn't see her. And what I imagine is that she was like at her house, like muting me every time I was talking, talking to her assistant, like working. She does this so many times. I just felt it was a great interview and she gave me a great time for it. Uh, But I don't think she's thinking about how I'm doing. I think she's thinking about what am I doing next in my life? Yeah. So, so like you know. she would, she would like answer questions to her answers would be unrelated to the question you would ask. Like, <laughs> no, it oh, wasn't that. So, no, it so wasn't good. like that. <laughs> All I'm saying is she just has no idea who Jamie Ivy is from the happy hour. So yeah. it wasn't like, she's like, y'all, you're not going to believe who I'm talking to today. Jamie sure. Ivy. She's just like doing her life. Yeah. But I still enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, okay. Jamie Ivy. I have a few table topics questions selected at random that are in front of me that we want to get to know you. Um, Jamie, Ivy, what's your most embarrassing phobia? A phobia? Okay, I'll tell you this. Uh, I don't think it's... It it doesn't... Well, I don't know if it's embarrassing or not, but my husband says it's pretty weird. If you're in a big city, New York City or Chicago or whatever, and they have on the ground when you're walking on the sidewalks and all of a sudden it has these like slate things. Slates. The grates. The grates. And then underneath it is like the... The, the never ending pit that you don't know where it goes. <laughs> yeah. I refuse and will not ever walk on top of one of those. That seems I, rational be, to me. Though. Yeah, it's not. That's oh, not okay. Irrational. That's not irrational. Some people have said that's irrational. No, falling to falling into a dark abyss to your you know inevitable demise is not an irrational fear. Yeah, because it's probably happened. There's like smelly steam blasting out anyway. It's like, I don't want my yeah. clothes smelling like burning. If they're burning garbage down there, I don't want that. If and Marilyn Monroe taught us anything. <laughs> stay away yeah, from nothing the good happens. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you know, yeah, depending on what you're wearing. It's just, that's just smart. That's not <laughs> yeah. a phobia. You're yeah. just a, you're just a thoughtful pedestrian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. I'm just a hundred percent convinced it's going to fall when I'm on top of it. Uh, Jamie Ivy, if there's one thing that no one understands about you, what is it? Oh, gosh, these are so difficult. Uh, Here is something that I think people would be surprised because of my job is I have uh, some speech issues. So I have some words that are really difficult for me to say. This is interesting, right? And a lot of times, like Cameron, I was very, very impressed at your read of the ad at the beginning because you never stopped. You just went through everyone listening. That was a one take read. (laughs) When I read stuff, like I do interviewing for a living, but when I read copy, it's literally like 17 times (laughs) because words come out the wrong way. And so when I was in elementary school, I had to go to speech therapy and I can't say my R's and there are still certain words today that I can't say. Like what? Give us an example. This is also my husband's favorite party trick. Like, you know, if the party gets dead, he's like, hey, Jamie, say and <laughs> the word this word. That sounds like it's your favorite that's, party that's trick like, at yeah, all. You, so, really. you sound like you really enjoy this, this one, too. This, okay. is, this is a one way. This is a one way fave. <laughs> well, I just think I should let everyone know because, OK, so what is the word R-O-Y? You guys say it. R-O-Y? Like a name. Roy. Roy. OK, Rory. Rory. Uh, Rory or asteroid. And so sometimes when I'm speaking even or doing the podcast, I say things the wrong way, but no one knows that like my, my mouth actually won't actually say the word. Can you, I have problems with brewery. Brewery. Yeah. And, That's kind of a tough one. And, and, it's a tough one. and Febru- February, if you like actually acknowledge the R's existence All in right. that word, February. It, it throws me off. All right, Jamie, my, how about this? Also like asteroid. Oh, yeah. Like that's hard for me. See, so sometimes and when I worked, I worked in radio years and years ago, there was a guy that would come on the show name 
T-R-O-Y. So Troy. You guys say it. Troy, yeah. yeah. I never addressed him as his name because his name was Troy to me. Like Troy. Troy. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't say it. Hey, Jamie, hey can, man. Yeah. Can, can I yeah, have yeah, you can yeah. I have you pronounce the rural juror? that's a done one i'm done i'm done uh jamie abby if you could rename yourself what name would you choose uh well i like my name jamie ivy because i think it goes well you know jamie ivy but how fun would it be to be like Jamie seems like it could be boy or girl. Like yeah. my husband's name is Aaron. And so sometimes people get confused about like who's who's who. Which? Yeah. Who's who? yeah like yeah. Jamie or Aaron and they call me that. So maybe I would want a more feminine name, although it would still be married to Aaron. They put it with an E and it's weird, but maybe something a little bit more like crazy where I could have been a rock star. Like, um, like Melinda. Butch. Oh, Melinda. Yeah. Ooh, no, Melinda. I don't like that. No, yeah, Melinda. That. Melinda Gates isn't a rock star. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to do that. I'll, no, I don't want to be Melinda Gates. Um, Melinda Ivy does sound kind of like a YouTube sensation. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> hey guys, Melinda, Melinda Ivy here. <laughs> what about just like me? Rose or something? But then I just keep thinking I'm on the Titanic. Well, Jamie, I think you should go with a British thing. For me, it's Sir Bartholomew Feathersmith. And everyone's like, wow, <laughs> this guy, he got, you got, you, got a, you got a knight? You got a knighted guy? And I, and I would be like, no, legally, my parents just named me Sir for the first name. But sure, I get sir. a lot. I book a lot of interviews because they think they're having a charming, intelligent British guy on. Little do they know it's an ignorant American. But, and then uh, you show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Or, or if it'd be fun to have a name that you could just drop the last name. You could just have a first name, yeah. you know? Like I Cher. mean, but you have to be someone like Beyonce to do that. Yeah. yeah. Cher, Beyonce. Yeah. Not us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, Jamie Ivy, two more. Uh, what's the secret to happiness? Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> the podcast. secret to happiness. Why did you say that as a joke? That's horrible. <laughs> well, yeah, no, oh. no, I didn't mean it as a joke. I just meant that's what that I like. Wow. <laughs> Jamie Ivey's making fun of Jesus. Good Lord. <laughs> I didn't mean it as a joke. I just meant technically, that's like, you Jesus. know, technically. the church answer. Like, you know, just say Jesus and you're in. But, you know, in all seriousness, you know, my faith in Jesus does bring happiness, but I would say like the secret to happiness is actually contentment. And so being content and where you are can actually bring happiness, no matter what your circumstances are might be. And so content with your family, content with your life, content with your circumstances, content with your marriage, content with your kids, content with your job. I think finding contentment actually is the road to happiness. Jamie, what, what if you have like a brother who's like a hot mess? I don't know. Hypothetically, like <laughs> you just be hard. That would be tough, man. Be tough. That would be. That would be really hard, especially that, if you worked with them. Yeah, that would. I mean, talk That's about even worse. Talk about just sucking the happiness out of you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, contentment's just. I not, mean, I turn to Jesus, but his miracles. There's, there is. You know, he can only do so many. You know, but Jamie, I have a question about the tiny house. Because okay. I find that fascinating because I watch the show all the time. I watch tiny mm-hmm. house shows a lot. Like okay. there's something about if I'm flipping through the channels and there's a show about tiny houses, which there seems to be like 15 tiny house shows. You I, know? I'm a big fan. I'm a sucker for the extreme sizes. I want to see the mansions and I want to see right. the tiny houses. I'm I, not interested in between. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't care about the, you know, you know, three bedroom, two bath suburban no, place no, no. in Wichita, you know, on house hunters. <laughs> I'm in for the tiny houses. You know, I want 
want to yes. see I want to see kitchen sinks that fold down into toilets and bathrooms. Like I want to see <laughs> <laughs> the building innovations that that they're capable of. Now, did, did you when you were like, OK, I'm going to make this this office space. I, you said it's behind your your house, correct? Right. And so were you were you watching the tiny house shows and were like, the answer is a tiny house. Like, how did the tiny house come about? Well, so I had an office in my house, but it was like a closet, you know, like my, we had built a little desk in it. It was very claustrophobic, very hard to get anything done. And I didn't do interviews in person then. Obviously they're not coming into my closet, but I needed an office because we lost that room and I couldn't build anything and you can get a tiny house for not that expensive. And it's actually still sitting on wheels and we just built a little deck around it because if it's on wheels, you don't pay taxes on it wow. because it's movable. Question. Well, how I, did you lose a room? What? We added a bedroom. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, we built a just added something to our house. So we did lose that closet, gotcha. uh, but it's on wheels. We could move it if we wanted to, but we won't because we built a deck around it, but we still don't pay tax property taxes on it. Jamie, Lovely. you're blowing my mind because one of the great passions of mine, aside from watching tiny house shows is tax evasion. And not, <laughs> letting, not letting the Uncle government. Sam get more than his due. So I'm going right. to remember that little pro tip that if it has. I like, know, right? I'm about to go yeah. install wheels on my main house on my because I don't have a tiny house. But what's preventing me from just slapping some wheels on my current home and just tell my neighbors like, look, guys, Same, I'm, I'm off movable. the grid technically here. Like off the grid. Yeah. Yeah. But it's my own little space. I love it. It's my it's my tiny house. If the city awesome. come, if the city comes asking, this is an empty lot that happens to have a home with wheels on it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Final question, Jamie Ivy. What will you be like ten years from now? Uh, what will I be like ten years from now? I think I will be exactly the same, which could be good or could be bad. I don't know. I'll be fifty. I'm forty now, so I'll be fifty. And fifty seems to be like the the new hip thing, right? So I think I'll be. Does it? I, they, yeah, like when remember when Oprah turned fifty, everyone was like, fifty is amazing. Yeah. She's like sixty-eight now. I know, but still, it's, so maybe sixty is the new thing. But let's just go with fifty. Yeah, yeah, fifty is now such a thing that's not even weird that it's cool. Like, oh yeah, no, sure. or, yeah, yeah, you're fifty. Remember, Who is it? Are Everyone's any how, are anybody? Am I the only forty-year-old here? Paul Rudd. No, I'm forty-three. Paul Rudd is fifty. He just turned fifty. That's shocking to me. I don't. That that looks that's I don't believe it. Did you it. see that's on the internet Hollywood all magic. week? It was yeah, every everybody was posting pictures of him at like twenty six and fifty, and he and is he looks exactly identical. the same. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's and he's not like one of those guys who you think would be like taking care. You know, he's not going in and getting tons of Botox injections or plastic. He's he's Paul Rudd. It's, and he just it's the same thing with jeans. like Pharrell that's just drinking water and good jeans. Like if <laughs> you, if you can tell me right now, Pharrell is either fifty seven or twenty seven. I would I would be like, I think he's probably closer to 57. I don't know, though, because he looks he looks like he's always looked, you know, I think I think he's 48. I think he's 40. He looks in his 30s. Yeah, Yeah, he does look in his 30s. But he's you you guys remember, though, when your parents turned 40 and 50, I thought they were like one foot in the grave. Yeah, like they're (laughs) almost about to die. And now we're there. And I'm like, this is nothing. I, I uh, had when my dad turned it? 40, I remember it because I was in elementary school and I was on the school bus and my yeah. uncle, who's a real prankster, went and hung signs all over town 
Like literally it was like, I don't know back then, I guess you go to Kinko's or, or whatever. The, I don't even know where you'd print stuff back then. It seems like was printing even around when my dad turned 40. Like, I don't even know the answer to these questions. But my uncle put signs up all over town that said, Lordy, Lordy, Mike is 40. And I saw them on the school bus driving to school. And I'm like, oh, man, this has got to be humili- humiliating for my 40 year old father to be you know put on blast like that. But it doesn't seem like 40s as big a deal anymore. It does seem like 50s the one everyone's like ah that's the that's that's the the arrival point you know i don't know i i've i have friends who turn 35 and it's like a it's like it takes them a quite a while to recover from that you know it's it's uh this year for me yeah i know and jesse just turned 36 and yeah jd 35 36 i mean it's funny to me like people it seems like they struggle in their mid-30s like oh no i'm no longer in my really officially no longer in my 20s you know what i mean yeah like I did feel like that when I turned 36 because I thought, oh, I'm now closer to 40. I'm no longer like, oh, I'm mid 30s. This is I'm I'm so close to 40 now. You're that mid, it was hard. For you're me. officially mid 30s. I Your early yeah. 30s, 31 to 33. Mid is 34 to 36. Upper or late 30s is 37 to 39. Right. But yeah. I did just do the math, Cameron. And in 10 years, all my kids will be out of my house. So oh, wow. it'll just be back to Aaron and I, which means we're just partying every night, again. going on vacation. No, 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 no. Because you'll be in your 50s. You're going to be tired. Oh, <laughs> no, we're living. We're living large. I don't no. know. Well, I don't know. My parents are traveling the world. They do way more travel now than they ever did when I was in the house. You're you're in 10 years, you know, 830, strong 830. You're going to crawl into bed, <laughs> turn on a tiny house show. He's going to read the paper. You're going to do your I, stitching or your whatever you do. Uh-huh. Oh and gosh, yeah. That's your life. Ten I years do now. that. You're not part. I start binging. I start my I start my tiny house binge around eight, and now I'm going to be obsessed <laughs> with how I can do this as another tax loophole. You know, it's it's over for me. This is this is my life now. I I'm a tax expert, and I watch tiny house shows. That's my, <laughs> that's the entirety of my life. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, Bethel Music's Amanda Lindsay Cook joins us. She has an incredible new album out called House on a Hill, just released, and she's going to talk to us about it. So you don't want to miss that. Uh, but before all that, it's our Friday show, which means it's time for... Well, that was a different one, but <laughs> Jamie, what is your opinion of that jingle? For the well, I have list I listened to the show when y'all had them all out there. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was one of the shows that I was crying at. Uh the I listened to last Friday's and it wasn't that one. This is are y'all doing are you sticking with one or are you just picking think, a new one every week? I think Chandler's just gone rogue at this point. Well, that one <laughs> I think I, I literally tossed to it and could see in the control room he scrambled, like, oh no. And then like and he just randomly hit a button and he if hit the wrong one. If only there was a structured order to this show that we did every single <laughs> week. <laughs> well, it's time for the hot list. Coming in at number five this week on the hot list, American Idol phenom Alejandro Aranda performed the gospel song There Will Be a Light with Ben Harper on the show this week. Uh, Alejandro is one of the breakout stars of American Idol this year, and apparently Jesse is watching it religiously every week because it seems like every week on the hot list he's he's adding some American Idol updates. Listen, I can't I can't help it that there that that show is broadcast in church every week. This is what we do here, you know. It's the intersection of faith and culture. I think they're do I think they're picking these songs just to keep on the hot list to which, keep you know, Jesse engaged. With, yeah, fine with uh, the twenty four year old uh, Californian has an incredible voice, but he's also a guitar phenom. And then this week, uh, he performed a duet with singer-songwriter Ben Harper, who actually was on the cover of Relevant back in like 05. That's crazy. Yeah. 
Um, they played the gospel song, There Will Be a Light, which is also the title track from Harper's collaborative album with the Blind Boys of Alabama. Here's a clip. Let the world my love wipe away all of your tears. No. Fear not, for I am with you. I will fear not, I will fear not with you. Yeah. There will be, there will be, there will be a light. There will be a light. On the live clip for this, there's a lot of people in the audience with their hands up and swaying. I think that counts as worship. I mean, that you know, that song's got the mellow groove. If you're just doing the wave, it's like, so, so that counts. That counts. We'll give it to you. Your hands are up, you know? If, if a stage manager is directing you to raise your hands and sway, <laughs> I don't think that counts as a worship service. It's, Although, uh, you know, there have been some mega churches that also do that, so... Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> do they have do they have that light like they have laugh or applause in the at the late show? Yes. They have like the raise hands and sway light switch. I've, no, no, it's people like like off. I've been uh, tapings of uh, shows like this, and they really do tell you like, "Hey, everybody, do this now." There's someone down there at like, a church. Yeah. At a church, they do that. No, no, at these at like American Idol type shows. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. Ch- churches should do it because I find it very <laughs> distracting when the pastor's like every head ba- every head bowed, every eye closed right now. Like if there was just a light that had like praying hands and like a head bowed, you go, "Okay, it's it's altar <laughs> call time." Yeah, don't yeah. look at people. Don't look. They're going to raise their hand or make eye contact with the pastor. It's very disorienting when I'm told what to do. Just shine the light on, like. Like I'm on a game show. You guys ever think, and I, I, cause I do think this, this is my, and if any pastors want to call in and correct this, that's fine, but I, I won't believe this, that when they, they tell you to do that, every high, every eye closed, every head bowed. And then just say, if you've made a commitment to, if you decided to dedicate your life to Jesus tonight, then just raise that hand. And then they just start saying stuff. And they're just like, Oh, I see that. Thank you. Yes. I see that too. Thank you. And you're not looking, <laughs> yeah. you can't tell, but they're obviously there's not, then they say like, they point out like 50 people. I think it's all, I think they're lying. First of all, I sit in the back row of my church. I just always do. And I refuse to be told what to do. So I will not <laughs> Your eyes are open. shut my eyes on command. You know what I'm saying? So I'm auditing and, and I am, I am the, I'm the integrity watch and I'm exactly what you're talking about. So I Blades. can see and the entire congregation. I can see how many hands went up. And I see the guy faking it. He's yes, 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 yes. <laughs> no, no, no. There were two hands. Calm down with the 17 yeses. Not to belittle the two people whose eternity just changed forever. But, you know, like, come on, let's not pad the stats here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, he's just warming everybody up. Cheap. That's all he's doing. That's it. Feels cheap. Feels, it feels like fake, feels like fake news. Perception I, I, I always... I always feel like when they do the, um, they're like, Don't, we're not going to embarrass anyone tonight. So just look <laughs> up at me. Just look up at me. No, no one's looking. We're not going to embarrass you. And then as soon as the prayer's over, he's like, we had 12 commitments here. I want all of them to come forward. <laughs> Give it up, church. Start clapping. And you can tell the people are like, how dare you? How Bait and switch. dare you? Bait and switch. Bait and switch. Bait and switch. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Coming in number four this week on the hot list, Chris Evans, Captain America himself announced a new political venture to let voters understand both sides of important issues. He's launching a website called A Starting Point. Uh, the site will serve as a hub in this uh, these next few years, you know, with the political season cranking up. 
as a hub in which Republicans and Democrats will both deliver concise answers to questions about their positions. Here's a clip of Captain America telling him, uh, telling us about uh, the, the site. Hi, I'm Chris Evans. If you're watching this, I hope you'll consider contributing to my new civics engagement project called The Starting Point. It's a website designed to provide succinct answers to common questions by presenting both the Democratic and Republican point of view on dozens of issues across the political landscape. If you choose to participate, we'll send you a list of questions. You choose the questions you want to answer. Our only request is that you try to keep your answers to about a minute. At the end of your response, we'll attach two or three links that you provide. That way, if someone responds to what you have to say, they know where to go to continue their education on that issue. I want to make it clear that this website has nothing to do with my political opinion. It's not about my political opinion. This is about yours. This is a chance for you to talk about the issues that matter to you. I think this is a great idea. My only issue with it is it's two. It, they're only given two sides. I want a radical fringe person there too. Here's, here, here's the Republican side, the Democrat side, and here's a guy who says if he arbitrarily attaches wheels to the outside of his home, he no longer has to tip pay taxes. All right, gentlemen, you each get a minute. You know, I think he should have leaned into the uh, Captain America thing a little more. It's yeah. like I'm Captain America. I care about this country, and that's why I'm launching this website. I think Chris Evans doesn't have the the same pull. I'm Chris Evans, but you might know me better as Captain America. I, I thought when you talked about it, it was going to be politicians getting to say they're two different sides. No, so I can write in about what no, I no, think. No, 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 it is. That was a video of his pitch to politicians like, to that politicians. he sent yeah. to. Oh, I thought it was Capitol to the Hill. public. And I was like, that sounds like Facebook. So everyone just posting their political opinions. That's <laughs> literally that's what every, I thought. And you get oh, to comment on oh, everyone's man. political opinion. Can you imagine okay. a worse website than everybody getting a minute long video to tell, talk about their political beliefs. Uh, <laughs> and another thing. <laughs> another thing. And yeah. I can't put wheels on my house. <laughs> It'd be all of our <laughs> crazy uncles and nobody else. That would, oh yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Coming in number three this week on the hot list. Now I don't know how I don't know how long of a cl- of, of part of the clip you're about to play, Chandler. But if we could play the entire three minutes, it would be worth it. Um, this week, a tribute video to Dwayne Wade showed the power of charity. Dwayne Wade, NBA superstar, uh, announced at the beginning of the season he was retiring this year, and the season came to a close this week. He played his final game on Wednesday night, and so to honor him, Budweiser of all brands, made a four-minute tribute ad showing why Dwayne's legacy is bigger than basketball. Uh, Throughout his career, uh, D-Wade has been involved in his community, providing scholarships to students in need, standing with the families of victims of the Parkland shooting, even buying a church for his mom, who previously struggled with addiction and uh, spent time in prison when she was younger. In the ad, um, five individuals who have been impacted by Dwayne Wade's generosity um, gave him articles of clothing, like fellow players did uh, where they exchanged jerseys with him after each game this season. He wanted to give his final jersey to uh, a player from the other team. And then that player gave him a jersey, which he collected. So he wanted to have like a representation of his final season. Well, these five individuals came and brought an article of clothing as well, like a jersey. Um, and then told him the how he impacted their lives. Here, here's a clip. I, let me just say this. I'm not a Dwayne Wade fan before I watch this, and I'm definitely not a Budweiser fan, but wow, this is powerful. I have no idea who's coming. Like, literally, no idea. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Dwayne. Hello. Hello. How you doing, brother? Pretty good, and yourself? It's been about 12 years since I last seen you. 
I come from an area where not too many people make it. It was always my dream that I'd get the chance to go to college, but we just didn't have the money. You mean so much to us, and my brother Joaquin loved you from the beginning. He passed away in Parkland on February 14th. He was one of the 17 victims. 10 days before Christmas, our house burned down and we lost everything. It was one of the lowest points in my life. Hey, Dwight. How you doing, Ma? You were the joy of my life. But I was dropping the ball. That day that I just couldn't do it no more was the day that I was going to have to turn myself in. And I seen the tears just fall from your eyes. Your mama went down a road, Dwayne, that I didn't ever think I'd come back from. But on that road, I noticed you kept showing up. And you'll come and see about me. And Dwayne, because you believe in me. When I got out of prison, I was a different woman. We received a phone call. Would you mind if Dwayne Wade take you and the family <laughs> on a shopping spree? It just meant the world to me that you were there for us at this time. And Thank you. You became our hero. A lot of the words that you said hit a spark and kind of changed where I was going. Without you and your full tuition scholarship, none of this would have been possible. You're not way the basketball player, the legend. You're the human being that took the time and on his own, wrote my brother's name on his shoe, and you cared. When you bought your mama that church, you don't even understand the lives that you changed. So I don't have a jersey, but I brought you this. I don't have a jersey to trade with you. But I definitely have this, the blazer that I wore to my first job interview. My cap and gown from graduation. This is important because Joaquin wore this in his last championship. My family wanted you to have it. Please don't forget my brother, Joaquin. Having you as a role model has made all the difference. One of the special robes that you gave me, purple symbolized royalty, and you are royal in everybody's life that you've touched. You completely changed the course of my life. I know my brother is with you always. It wouldn't have been possible to be here if it wasn't you. I am more proud of the man you have become than the basketball player. You are bigger than basketball. There's a lot of pollen in the air oh, right now. Jeez. Oh, little, little, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm in the car right now crying. <laughs> I don't usually feel. <laughs> <laughs> oh man I, no it's super powerful the only thing that like the only like i saw a video <laughs> i saw a video like the week prior to this being released so like the for people that don't know like the tradition it's his last season so he he yeah, the game jersey he takes off and usually it's with a player on the other team who has some history with so he like you know traded it with like dirk or like or, yeah, you dirk. know a player who's like a prominent player on the other team who they shared a lot of time with a guy, I don't, can't remember, I don't know if you saw this clip, a guy, like, it was just like a random player, like a, you know, deep bench player for another team, came up to D-Wade after the game and, like, was giving him his jersey. Now, like, here, D-Wade, let me get yours. And D-Wade was just like, nah, nah, not you, man. <laughs> like, it was, it was super awkward. But, uh, you know, he, he seems yeah. like a good dude. 
he seems yeah to it's it's just such a reminder that like there are guys out there that that um you know it's easy it's easy for us whether it be a, a sports star or rock star or celebrity or whatever just kind of like look at them and define them by that one thing but it's like oh yeah they're humans and many of these people are using their platform and their resources to make a greater impact behind the scenes and it's just really cool when you get a glimpse of some of the stuff that they're doing for real to impact lives and inspire people, but also tangibly help. And it's awesome. Good. Good. Job. I love seeing that even as a mom to three boys who are watching all these athletes, you know, in their careers and awesome and doing amazing things, but for them to see, Oh wow, there's more to some of these guys than just their career in athletics that they desire for more in the world than just being the best basketball star, or the best football player. Yeah. So as a mom, I'm like, I'm going to make my kids watch all of this and then, you know, take out the beer part, but I'm going to just like make them watch this because I love it so much. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. All right. Coming in at number two this week on the hot list, Prince Harry and Oprah announced they're teaming up for a new docu-series about mental health. According to a post on a Royal family Instagram account, which apparently Jesse follows the series. Very closely. I've been blocked on there several times. It's Royal family. I have more burner accounts than you can possibly know. So just try, just try to keep me away. The series will focus on both mental illness and mental wellness, inspiring viewers to have an honest conversation about the challenges each of us faces and how to equip ourselves with the tools to not simply survive, but to thrive. The series is part of a new collection of programming from Apple. The show is going to debut on Apple TV in 2020. In a statement, Prince Harry said to Jesse, I truly believe that good (laughs) mental health, mental fitness is the key to powerful leadership, productive communities, and a purpose-driven self. It is a huge responsibility to get this right as we bring you the facts, the science, and the awareness of a subject that is so relevant during these times. Our hope is that this series will be a positive, enlightening, an inclusive one, uh, sharing global stories of unparalleled human spirit fighting back from the darkest places and the opportunity for us to quit or to understand ourselves and those around us better. And please stop sending me so many DMs. I love it how I love it how Apple, you know, is like coming straight for Netflix, you know, where Netflix like, hey, listen, we got a new sitcom with Rob Schneider, like something <laughs> no one asked for, you know, like no one wants that. And they're just like throwing these random shows up that you just scroll by. You're like, this is a Netflix original. Like this looks terrible and weird. And like Apple's like, oh, we're doing a show. Uh, it's got Prince Harry and Oprah co-hosting. Like yeah. they're just coming out guns blazing. I love it. Yeah. Are you going to go for it, Jesse? Are you going to pull the trigger and get the Apple the Apple streaming I service? Think so, I, especially because I think they have shows like with uh, Spielberg, Spielberg like yeah. Damien Chazelle, you know, a lot of huge heavy hitters. Yeah. And Jesse Prince Harry said, please stop sending him show pitches. That's what he said. (laughs) I've tried to approach (laughs) Prince Harry numerous times on the street with a jersey, a basketball jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Prince Harry, I'm I'm facing some serious prison time for tax evasion. You see, I arbitrarily (laughs) slap wheels on the side of my home and I need someone to help me. Are you the person (laughs) that can help me? (laughs) <laughs> All right. And lastly, this week, coming in number one on the hot list, uh, NBA star Kyle Korver penned a powerful essay about privilege and racial equality. Uh, it was an essay in the Players' Tribune. 
He titled it Privileged. Uh, he now plays for the Utah Jazz, uh, and he's also white, if you don't know. And he discussed several incidents in his NBA career that made him think more closely about race and inequality. He wrote about a time when a teammate and close friend, Tabo Cephalosha, uh, who's black, uh, was arrested and had his leg broken by police after going out following a game. Instead of reaching out to his friend, Corver said he first wondered why he put himself in that situation. He wrote, before I knew the full story and before I'd even had the chance to talk to Tabo, I sort of blamed Tabo. Cringe. Tabo was later found not guilty on all charges and settled with the NYPD over their use of force. Ultimately, Corver writes that it's his own white privilege that led to the thinking, and it's why he feels so compelled to do something. Quote, I know that as a white man, I have to hold my fellow white men accountable, he wrote. Uh, we all have to hold each other accountable. We have to be accountable, period, not just for our own actions, but also for all the ways that our inaction can create a safe space for toxic behavior. He asked readers to support policies and activists who are fighting for racial justice. He explained, as white people, are we guilty for the sins of our forefathers? No, I don't think so. But are we responsible for them? Yes, I believe we are. That uh, yeah. It got a lot of play this week. Yeah. Good yeah. job, Kyle Corver, who's also a very strong Christian, by the way. Yeah, I read the letter this week and loved it as, you know, I'm white woman, and but I'm also raising three black kids. And so I think this conversation is much needed. And what I've seen is he, you know, he has a platform and he's also white. So white people are going to be more um, prone to listen to what he is saying, unfortunately. Uh, and so I am like, kudos, love this. I don't even didn't even know his name or who he played for, but I'm a fan now after reading that letter. He's played for a lot of teams. At this point, he is one of the most prolific three-point shooters in NBA history. He's a yeah. he's a white guy who stretches the floor, and he. <laughs> I, what, how long has he been playing now? Like fifteen years? It's crazy. At least he's had a really long career, and it and it's cool because this you know uh, he he has used his platform you know for most of his career. His father's a pastor. Uh, a lot of his his family's in ministry. And, you know, so it's cool to see, too, like you were saying, Jamie, is someone who, you know, not only is using their platform for their faith, but to like, you know, challenge people on like a really important social issue. Someone who has a platform that people will actually listen to, you know, this was like trending on Twitter for like a couple of days this week, you know. Yeah, Yeah. I think my favorite part, too, is how he said, here's how what I've gotten wrong and here's what I've learned, because I like listening to people who say, hey, here's how I screwed up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've screwed up there, too. And so it's so. Mm -hmm relatable to go okay i see the transformation and the path that he's been on it feels like i can have that same path you know like oh oh, i've thought that same thing i can change awesome and especially for him coming from the pro sports world where talking about white privilege has had some very serious ramifications for people in that world uh not necessarily in the nba obviously more so in the nfl but there's no guarantee that speaking out on that isn't going to cost you in some very significant ways so i and in a way that it wouldn't cost somebody like say uh, a podcaster so i think it's really cool that he was willing to put himself out there uh, in a way like that and so far to my knowledge i don't know if there's been any like backlash financially or substantive professional backlash, but it sure seems like he was opening himself up to that. No, there hasn't been. And that's one of the things that I actually love about the NBA. They've created their, the, like the league leadership has created a culture of talking about issues and mental health and and inequality and, and things that are, they they encourage it. I mean, it's not like the NFL or like fall in line. It's, it's very much where, Hey, you players, we love that you're on social media. We love that you're interacting with fans directly and we get to know you as people and stuff. It's, 
Um, and, and, and the NBA has really, um, uh, it's the most diverse league, you know, out of all the major sports. Yeah, They've yeah. really done a good job, I think, in this area, um, addressing some of the big societal issues through their players and with their players. So good for them. All right. Well, that'll do it for... That does not I, go with the other one. <laughs> no, I, I don't care because I feel like I feel like you gotta gotta play it to what's appropriate. We just got off like a <laughs> heavy true. topic. Like if you come off, if we come off, uh, uh, you know, yeah. talking about racial equality yeah. and all these important things, and it's yeah. you feel it hot, hot, hot. It feels a little appropriate. Feels insensitive. Yeah, yeah. That's the sensitive. That's the sensitive jingle. That's the sensitive hotlines. Okay, I like it. Okay, well, stay tuned. Up next, uh, Bethel's Amanda Lindsay Cook joins us. Hey, thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Uh, Since we know you like podcasts, I wanted to tell you about a couple of the other shows that we've recently launched. Every day, for about 10 minutes a day, we bring you what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture with our newest podcast, Relevant Daily. Make sure to go check it out wherever you get your shows and subscribe. Also, check out my long-form conversation podcast. It's called Unedited with Cameron Strang. The current episode has Abner from Johnny Swim on it. And you don't want to miss it. It's actually fantastic. Uh, Go check it out. Every two weeks, we come out with a new conversation on Unedited. Thanks again. Listening to our next guest, Amanda Lindsay Cook. The song is Evergreen. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Alice in Wonderland with Peace. Well, Bethel Music singer, songwriter, and worship leader Amanda Lindsay Cook just released her new album, House on a Hill, and will be soon heading out on Hillsong United's The People Tour. She'll be opening for United. Uh, the album comes after Amanda left the public eye for an extended retreat in a small house, not a tiny house. But a small house in rural Tennessee, we don't know if there were wheels on it. <laughs> Justin Lee re- recently spoke with Amanda about the album, The Power of Solitude, which Jamie could speak about, and silence and why all Christians should take time for retreat and reflection. Uh, Jesse, tell us about it. Yeah, well, the album's called House on a Hill, so I don't think that house had, had wheels, wheels. because yeah. that is a recipe. <laughs> got, got for that's dangerous. That is that's like a brick the, underneath the wheels. It's a, a runaway. Yeah, it's like a yeah. roller coaster. House on a Hill with a brick <laughs> under the wheel. That's what the full <laughs> album <laughs> is called. It's a, yeah, it's a very high concept album. Um, no, but it, it was interesting, uh, you know, when I was talking to her, I talked about why she wanted to get away and kind of hit like a reset button, you know, and, you know, she began to talk about how important it is to to like look at every project like this is the first project like it's there's no follow-up and how you know at first she saw that in terms of her artistry but really there's a spiritual principle there you know there's sort of like embracing the newness of different moments here's here's what she she said about it i love when i hear john mayer talk about making records because he 
had said at one point, he never makes a follow-up record. He only ever makes a first record, um, which to me was great language for um, never living off of your, your, of yesterday's grace, yesterday's moment, yesterday's whatever it was, success, failure, you know, um, musical magic or madness, whatever it was that today is today is about paying attention and, um, and jotting things down and the, the spiritual practice of being present. And so for me, I needed to scale back in the day and age that technology like, you know, runs our world and it's a great way of connecting with people. I needed to evaluate my codependency on the world around me, the belief systems around me, the, the people around me, my, you know, back to family of origin and culture and all that kind of stuff. I just needed to, I needed to be able to detach and, um, and reconnect in a quiet way to my own conscience. So it kind of became a little bit about Marie Kondoing a few things and thanking everything, but letting some things go and letting them go indefinitely rather than letting go and then with a plan to pick up, but just letting go indefinitely. That's where I found the pocket. That's where I felt like I, okay, now I'm in a sanctuary. I'm in a sanctuary of my own soul. Hmm. Jamie, I'm interested uh, in your, you, you work in the creative space and how important is it for, for you? Like how much do you relate to that kind of sentiment of like, okay, tomorrow's done. Today's like a new venture. Or is that something creatively that's, that's difficult at times? No, I relate a lot. In fact, I wrote down that John Mayer quote that she just said, uh, he never makes a follow-up record. He only makes a first record because I'm in the midst of writing another book. And it feels like, oh, another book. And I'm like, oh no, it's a first book. Like this is what we're doing. But that solitude and stuff, I find it really difficult to make something creative when I have a lot of noise. And I have, I wrote, I wrote my entire book away, like me by myself away. And I think there's something to that, that you're my personal, the way I work, my brain has a hard time shutting off day-to-day life and then being creative. It's like some people can do both, I guess, maybe I can't. So I hear what she's saying about even like letting go of things and kind of, kind of building this whole new thought life in order to let God work through and give you something new to create. I, and I related a hundred percent to what she just said. And I like the idea too, even like, you know, in, in a spiritual sense, but also in a practical sense, like Marie using Marie Kondo as a verb, <laughs> yeah. like Marie Kondoing, like spiritual stuff, like, do I need this, you know, social media influence in my life? Do I need this avenue in my life? It, it, yeah, it's a really interesting principle. And it comes through a lot in, in the music. And also, you know, while she had like the time to kind of reflect, uh, you know, during this time of retreat, you know, she one of the things she really thought about was like the persona that she kind of carried as someone who like leads. You know, she's been a worship leader with Bethel Music for years now, and you know why it, it's difficult like having a persona that people look to, especially as someone who has a platform that's in ministry. Here, here's what she said about that. Within worship leading, I found that I was there was this persona thing that now accompanied my person, my essence, and it was that I represent some kind of moral compass and connection to to god um which is beautiful when it's when it's connected at the source and the essence and it what it does as a public service is it just highlights that we all are wired that way to be connected to the source but for me i needed to i needed to scale back and 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 wonder 
what that was and if I was starting to stand in the way of that connection. Because it's always meant to serve the connection. It's never meant to, you know, interrupt the connection that's always been there. And if I create a priest out of myself, if I be, if I create this this moral compass, this is how you get to God kind of idea. To me, that's just that's just actually putting a landmark in between people and their connection that they already have. So I think I just needed to I needed to go I needed to go into some questions of my own self. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting hearing that perspective because I feel like a lot of people with a platform want to have that persona. They want to develop that thing of like, oh, this person has all the answers. But I like what she kind of said there. It's like when, you know, she realized it's okay to not have the answers, you get more answers, you know, and and, and that's something that, you know, that kind of time and away kind of led to that revelation. She also talked about like just the importance of, you know, for, you know, even like the average person to kind of step away and, you know, have some retreat and kind of have some time to counter narratives in our own lives that, that you, you know, we may buy into. Uh, here's what she, she said about that. At whatever age it happens, we start to learn a shame narrative that keeps us, um, that, that divides us, divides us internally. And then we spiritualize the areas and we celebrate the areas that we feel like we're doing really well in. And we, we punish the other areas that we think are lesser than, and that just leads, leads to a divided itself. And then we look for belonging in tribal mentality in a group think in, well, okay, at least all of us are kind of headed towards the same, the same outcome. So I'll, I'll join that group think. And then we some, somehow in that, space tend to lose the art of critical thinking of being connected to our own individual gifts that we bring to the community, which is a a unique perspective. And so I think all I'm trying to say with that is I think we're in this constant state of growth and renewal of needing to disconnect, needing to detach healthily in order to, in order to remember and reconnect to our own conscience. So, so that not so that we can just hide from people. That's not the point so that we can bring ourselves back into the public arena, back into a community and serve well, serve with goodness and serve with um, a deeper sense of connection. Because if we're connecting through authentic vulnerability, we don't need the affirmation of the person we're connecting to in order to feel like a human being and whole. Mm. That That's something I've kind of, after, especially after doing this interview, thought a lot about, like, it's easy sometimes to conflate like community and tribalism where it's like, well, I always need to be connected because I need to be poured into these relationships. But, you know, like she was saying, if you don't take time to actually have some solitude and some time to yourself and the time with you and God, you can lose your identity to a com- even though a community is a good thing. It's not good to like lose your identity in Christ. Is that something that that you guys have found challenging too? Is to find time for that sort of solitude to build I'm, your own identities? I, honestly, that's what I, when I'm listening to this, uh, all of the stuff she's saying sounds amazing. And you know, obviously, I heard about the new album, and she spent a year away in a in a cabin sort of thing, and and downsized and all this. And I'm thinking to myself, the practical like reality that so many of us have is that we can't. I mean, like literally, like whether it be like, you know, somebody's listening to this going, I have a family I got to support or I need to, I can't like walk away yeah. from income for a year or whatever. It, it's like, it sounds amazing. Let's go to the hills of Scotland and just be with Jesus. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. but 
reality is I, my weekends are busy, you know, like I have a nine year old, like, I don't know how to practically apply what she was able to do to the life that is my reality. You know what I mean? Like I'm listening to it going, man, that sounds unreal, but like, like that's a fantasy to me. Yeah. I think there's other ways too that you could like get that solitude and quiet without, cause I'm thinking the same thing, you know, who gets that's, that's a luxury to be able to do that. And that's awesome. And she created a great album out of it, but I think there's other ways too, like just even, you know, taking some time away from social media and cause that is a connecting, like you're so connected to people on there that pulling back that back. I know I'm speaking from personal experience, pulling that back is where you have to really go, Oh, I'm only talking to people in real life right now. And I'm not knowing what everyone's doing because of what I'm seeing online. I have to actually contact people. And so your community does get a lot smaller, but it becomes more real and authentic because you're not just reliving what other people are showing you. Mm. And so that's just another way that you can think, okay, I can't go away, but I can pull out and just honestly, like do what we did in 1999, like be in your own life every day without seeing what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's something she actually addressed sort of in this last question. It's just like the experience of taking time to, to, to do something like listening to music, to just unplug and kind of totally kind of find some escape in, you know, even if it's temporary, you know, for me, I'm really busy. I built this tiny house on top of a hill and it rolled away. I have no <laughs> idea. What is. I'm very concerned. I'm very concerned. I'm on the hunt. It's keeping, keeping me busy around the clock. Tracking you know, this thing you know down. what they don't tell you is that when you build a tiny house, you need breaks. You know, yeah, they don't exactly, tell you an emergency yeah. break. And yeah. it's I'm like very the old time trains were like, there's a handle inside the tiny house, you know, <laughs> yeah, like just you, let yeah. it go. You pull it up. You pull up the handle. Yeah. Because I'll say at the bottom of the hill is a very populated area. And I can only see very, very concerned. Tragedy. No, but she, she did talk about the importance of just like creating time for the sort of like meditative experiences almost where you can reflect and you can embrace a piece of art and think about how it can impact you. If you can't, if you aren't someone who can build a, a precarious tiny house on the top of a steep hill uh, with very fast wheels, here's what she had to say. <laughs> To those who have the time to listen all the way through and engage with it and turn the lights off and lay on the floor like I used to do when I listened to vinyl. <laughs> um, and, you know, growing up in Canada, that was my experience with listening to music, listening, you know, all the way through a lot of times. So for people who have that time, that would be amazing to, I hope it serves the journey of their own soul. And then for people who have three minutes or 30 seconds, I hope that whatever musical moment you know, spark something for their own meditation in their own space would be equally as as helpful. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting message, like making moments to to for reflection and you know building that identity with God. If you can't do it, like something which she did, like move away for a year. But the album's incredible. It's called House on a Hill, and she was she gave a really thoughtful interview, and I really appreciate her opening up. Sometimes you know you talk to. Uh, different artists and and they'll be vulnerable about different things. But she was gave a really you know thoughtful uh, interview about the time away and how it influenced this album. So check it out. It's called House on a Hill. There you go. All right, stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. Let it go. Let it crash down low. There's a house down there, but I lost it long ago. Seattle 
University School of Theology and Ministry is pleased to announce the introduction of a new academic degree program. The Master of Arts is a flexible program for students to have the freedom to research the intersection of religion and spirituality with other academic disciplines such as history, healthcare, psychology, social sciences, law, and more. Scholarships are available. Learn more about the MA and all of our other degrees by visiting seattleu.edu forward slash stm forward slash degrees. You're listening to Andrew Bird. The song is Sissy Fuss. Okay, so last week we got talking about Jesse's birthday. It was it was a big occasion, and uh, we got talking about his ideal birthday. I think, and 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 what he would do. I think it was a table topic question actually right. about if money was no object, what would your ideal birthday party be? Uh, that became the question of the week. We asked you if money was no object, what would your ideal birthday party be? You hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. You also commented on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Here's yeah, a few w- of our favorites. There weren't a ton. There weren't a ton. So we're yeah. going to do a little something else in a minute. But uh, yeah. here, here's a few of the replies. I, I do want to thank everyone who pitched in to get me that very fast moving tiny house and a lot <laughs> on the <laughs> steepest hill well, in town. Jesse, very I'm much sorry. Appreciated. We had to cut a few of the bells and whistles out and the brakes were not included <laughs> in the package that we uh, that we the, ordered. So the good news is I'm never paying taxes again. Jamie, if I'm <laughs> understanding <laughs> this right, I'm free for life from the tax man. Um, cool. Uh, Corbin said uh, if money was no object for his birthday, he'd want bears on bikes, trained to serve or dwarves, a one million dollar prize for an amateur stunt competition. I like it. And an office reunion where Steve Carell hands out laptop batteries as favors for everyone who leaves the party. That sounds like the best party ever. Yeah, that's that sounds a good awesome. Party. Yeah. Just just reuniting the office cast uh, is, sounds pretty awesome. Did you have you seen this app? And I'm not and I don't know the name of it, so I can't toss to it. But I saw an ad on Instagram for this app where you can buy cameos of kind of like D list stars, you know, so you can like go through their directory of see who's available and you can pay a certain amount of money. And they'll record like a video greeting. They'll record your voicemail. They'll say happy birthday to your husband or something like that. You know what I mean? And uh, and it is like the ad to me because of, I guess, my viewing habits was like, hey, you can hire most of the cast of The Office for this stuff. Wow. And I looked through it and pretty much all of them but Steve Carell were on there. And <laughs> like, wow, yeah, and crazy. not Jim. Jim wasn't on there. But like, but like you know, Kevin and Creed. Yeah. You can get them to like send, like hire them to do like little video clips for you. It's crazy. I don't, I don't care how much it is. It's worth it. That would be worth <laughs> that it. Would, who would be your Who would be your dream office? Your uh, supporting office character birthday oh. message would be from Jesse. Oh, Jesse, it's it's great. Oh, it, it would absolutely be Creed. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, are you an office fan? Yeah, Aaron and I watch it. It's our like we're gonna watch TV before we go to bed, but we're definitely gonna fall asleep. And so you, you've already seen it. But that's our show right there, The Office. Yeah, it's Tiny Houses and The Office. <laughs> that's yes, all you watch. Yes, the DVR is full. Who, who would you yeah. have read you a birthday greeting, Jamie? Uh, well, Kevin makes me laugh. Just he doesn't have to say hardly anything, and I start laughing. Um, and so maybe Kevin, but also is what's her? I can't think of her name on there. Mindy Kaling is she on there? Yeah. Oh no no no! But, she's uh, too important. She's, she's too much. Too, yeah. She's not she's a D list. Yeah. But I would want her voice from the office, like not her normal. I want her office character. Yeah. yeah. The one of the saddest like moments in television history is when Kevin dropped the chili. 
You know, yes. like he was so excited. <laughs> he worked so hard and then he dropped it and seeing him try to just scoop roll, it roll, up and he's rolling in it. It's just one of the saddest moments. Oh, my heart breaks every time. I, for, some reason, I, for some reason, I, I like to think that scene like wasn't scripted. Like like the actor who plays Kevin Malone really brought <laughs> bought a big pot of chili in for the oh. cast that day. And they just happened to be filming because while he's on his knees, <laughs> frantically shoveling the chili back into the pot oh, with like a manila envelope. He was know? so excited. The, 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 the panic and distress in his face. He deserves <laughs> like an Academy Award for it. I know like, it's it's real like a lifetime man. achievement. Yeah. Like, I agree with you. Like, it's it can't be acting. That is like, he truly, the actor was so excited. And then, oh, my heart breaks, yeah. man. Anyway. I wanna, t- Taylor's takes a wild left turn here uh, <laughs> with no money limit. I would, I would travel. All right. With a fancy camera. Sure. And journal. Great. Mm-hmm. To Ireland mm-hmm. or Scotland. Love mm-hmm. it. And create a magazine. Now that threw me for, are we, is, are we taking like a photograph? Is this like a Ireland and Scotland magazine? And the pictures he's taken with the fancy, he or she, I'm not sure which Taylor, this is a Jamie situation. I'm not sure if this is a, 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 right. a male or female Taylor. I apologize. But, uh, uh but the, the, the Ireland or Scotland journal made up of the photos that we have with the fancy camera for the birthday. Or is this like in the spare time? The magazine is happening in between taking pictures. Either way, you have an unlimited budget. That seems like something normal people do, and it's called Instagram. Like literally, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to Ireland and, and use Instagram. You have a fancy camera on your phone. The, you have some imagination, Taylor. We had the cast of The Office reunite for the last one, and you were like, "Yeah, I want to go take pictures on Instagram of Ireland." <laughs> Money is no object. Okay. Juan said he would rent an entire seaside village, keeping all the pizza and gelato places open and free. He then fly important people from every stage of his life, uh, elementary school and onwards to come. He'd also have a live uh, concert with Avett Brothers and and Propaganda. Yeah, that seems like a pleasant thing to do, but it seems like money. I want to go to that birthday party. Uh, Jamie, money is no object. Okay, you can have any birthday party you want. What is it going to feature? Uh, I, I'm definitely going to go someplace. If money's no object, it's not happening here. I'm going to. Um, okay, here's the deal. If money's no object, I'm going to ha- celebrate my birthday all year long. It's going to be like from 40 to 41, yes. 365 days. And I'm traveling the entire world and bringing my whole family. And we're just traveling the world and celebrating my birthday every single day. There we go. That's that, someone that's, who. That's who, called dreaming big. Yeah. There that's, you go. That's. that's, that's you know, I will take a I'll take a long weekend and I will travel three hours and take pictures on my. I'll phone. take a yeah. long year birthday celebration is what I want. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Just yeah, it's like the year of jubilee. It's biblical. It is yeah. biblical. That's we right. should be taking longer for our celebrations. You know, I like it. I like it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, and so we were thinking instead of uh, doing a question of the week today, we would do. A ask the cast. What do you think? Jesse, yeah. is this yeah. Yeah. It's a good plan? Yeah. All right. Love it. Okay. Um, okay. So we tweeted you guys uh, just to send us your questions. We would lob them to the team. And here's a few that caught our eye. Perry asked us if they ever made a relevant podcast, the movie, who would you want to play your character? <laughs> And in, this, in this movie, Good. Jamie, you are guest co-hosting, so you get to. Pick I get to have. Your, a, I get to have yeah. a cameo in this. Yeah. I'm yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. once again, money. Assume we, this is a big budget Hollywood feature. Like, so yeah. you don't have to. You don't have to think small. We can really go. We can swing for the fences. Yeah, I would have to pick someone who's like a big who is a serious curveball. 
you know, like uh-huh. so, someone that, that would be unexpected. So, I mean, I think a lot of people would be like, Jesse, go with the obvious, go with Ryan Gosling, go with a young Harrison Ford, <laughs> go with, you know, any of these, I'm assuming any area of Hollywood, but no, I would, <laughs> I would go Creed from the office. I would want Creed to play me because only he, only he gets me. He's the only person that really gets me. Jamie, who, who would you choose to portray you in this, in this epic well, tale? I always go back to who do I think feels like I would like would kind of be like me. I like to think of myself like I want to be like the girl next door, you know, that type of thing. Like you can just hang out. And I always go back to Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock seems like, she, you know, she lives here in Austin sometime, too. So maybe we can make this work. But she seems like she would just be fun and funny and I don't know if I am but that's how I like to think of myself so I'm going to take Sandra Bullock to play me yeah I like it Huck Huck, who do you have well this is a little embarrassing because but I feel like this is a good time to tell you guys that my answer would be Daniel Day-Lewis but only because I actually am Daniel Day-Lewis I've been preparing for my role as Tyler Huckabee for the past (laughs) five years irrelevant I've been in deep deep character work Chandler I we've got to hear we've we've got to hear you know I feel like you're going to be the real scene stealer in this film uh who who would you have portray you got to go with Leo Oh, Leo. oh, yeah. Oh, I was picturing God. more. I was picturing something more edgy, like a like a Shia LaBeouf or something. I was you know, someone that. someone I who could get that. away with a with a no. you know a weird hat every no, once no, in no, a while. Pete, <laughs> no, I'm naming it right now for Chandler. It's Pete Davidson. That works. Oh, I can too. see oh, that. Pete? I can see. I mean, Pete. neither of those are cool. Uh, Marlon says being in grad school has drained my ability to connect to nature or culture. How should I spend my summer before graduation and beyond? Mm. That's a tough one. He's, he got a Mine summer no object, to, to, I assume. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, 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 to get it all. Jamie, I feel like with, with you living in a, in a cool city like Austin and, and, and working in a tiny house and all these, you know, all these cool things, I feel like you're the, the best equipped to give the first answer to this. One. Good point. God, he wants to connect to nature and culture. Is that what he said? Yeah, yeah. Nature and he culture. Just, yeah, yeah, he's been in bo- head in he's the books. He's been in school. Yeah, yeah, grad school. Head in the books. He's like, yeah. I need. I'm lifting my head up for the summer. What do I do to recalibrate? I, I will say. I will say this, Jamie. Why are you formulating your answer? I have a very nice lot that <laughs> did have a nice uh, little structure on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it disappeared in the night. Uh, it's a very <laughs> steep hill. Um, I would like for someone to go there because I need someone to take the fall for this one. I'm worried that people are injured when the house rolls away. I'm going to get go right out and say it. So come on out, um, Marlon. I think if he if money is no option and he's been in grad school, that means he needs to go to a fun city. He needs to get on, get an Airbnb, be there for a couple of weeks, just like eat and explore the city. If you come to Austin, there's a festival or something every other weekend. So you'll, you'll be fine oh, here. Yeah. Um, enough food and you'll just, I say come to Austin. You'll be great. There you go. Can just I make go, a suggestion? Yeah. Because we just had one of these open by my house and I think this could really be the ticket. It's both okay. nature and culture. Okay. It's a, they, they, they have opened right, right uh, about a block away from me, an axe throwing gym. Oh geez! And which you go to the gym, you pay what I. But one downtown. I, I'll I know you, it's why. A, it's why is this a thing? Here too. Why is this a thing now? Every city has know. an axe throwing gym. All of a sudden, no. But it's outside, and you get a bunch of axes, and you throw them. And you know what? If you could get good at this, what a party trick! Also, yeah. right? Useful for life skills. Just at, like like Just if you need case. to chop down, you don't need to chop wood anymore. You throw your axe through it, and with a single blow, it splits the t- it it cuts it in half. I think that would be a really handy way for him to sort of reconnect with the world outside of grad school, the, the world of axe throwing. Anyway, see, see, here's my thing with these axe throwing gyms. So throwing at targets. 
I want to ask. I want to ask though, and Jim, where we're playing for keeps, where this is a paintball <laughs> dodgeball situation with axes. Okay, most dangerous game. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it, 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 like Hunger Games, high stakes axe throwing. We play for keeps. They'll work out. You'll never forget. You know, the, these things are like <laughs> like those smash rooms. It's like I, it's here to get here today, gone tomorrow. I feel it's weird. Well, I don't like but it. the one yeah. here in Austin, today. it's not a gym. It's at a bar. Yeah, yeah which yeah. I think is even crazier. Oh, yeah, here it's like the same thing. That sounds it's like, dangerous. It's almost like a shooting yeah. range inside. You go and you just pay by the hour or whatever. Like bowling, like you rent a bowling lane. You rent an yeah, axe. but no one's gonna die. Like you drink a couple beers and throw some axes. Who knows what's gonna happen? Yeah, yeah. I I, w- yeah. I would like to be like the the insurance agent for the, you know like. <laughs> Like, hey, listen, we open up this new place. Uh, you know, we serve alcohol and have people throw axes. <laughs> Seriously, what's your business? No, no, literally, that's it. It's a, it's a gym. And instead of getting in shape, we feed you alcohol and have you throw axes at things. So it's uh, a, you know. brilliant. And a very touching new commercial from Budweiser. Yeah. It's a four minute video of a memorial of Taylor who <laughs> of all the of all the good people we've lost. The insurance adjuster is like, listen, I normally would be into a venture like this, but I just lost my shirt from this guy who had me insure a tiny house that rolled away. <laughs> and I think it did some real we're 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 afraid it's some real damage downhill. So down at the bottom of that mountain. All right, two two more questions, and we'll wrap it up. Uh, Sean says, uh, "I'm visiting a friend in a few weeks who recently started his own podcast. He wants me to be on as a guest. What advice do you have for me on how to make this episode unforgettable?" Two things. I, First of all, I did not start the podcast. Second of all, guys, I need to tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> I got a guy who I think you're really going to like, and he's joining us on the podcast next week. <laughs> I okay. I have. Here's my tip, and this is this comes from someone who is is a pro at this. Um, and I say, show up at a time when they aren't expecting you, and just <laughs> knock on the door and get ready for the interview. And what could go wrong? And, and see how he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. just keep him on his toes the whole time. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Hannah asked, lastly, uh, there's a lot of questions, but we only had time for a few. Uh, Hannah asked, what would be your strategy to win Survivor? I don't even know Survivor's still on. Oh, it's still on. It is I, still on? Win I Survivor. love Survivor. I love Jamie, isn't are you a Survivor just, fan? Isn't is it a strategy to win Survivor? Just go out, do your best, and be a nice person? And then no, you, you win? gotta have tea. You gotta, it's, there's some backstab and stuff that goes on. I yeah. haven't watched it in years, but it is still on because I saw it the other night in a hotel room, but yeah. Strategy, yeah. you got to make everyone think you're their best friend, I think. Exactly. You, you be can't just be nice. You have to and make you, everybody think that you're being nice. You're going to you have to turn on gotta, somebody. You got to play, you got to really? play them like fiddles. You have to have a dark, cold heart to win that game. That's why I'm perfectly poised for this. I've been preparing for, for years by backstabbing the people closest to me. It's all been a ploy to train. And that's all you have to do. What's this person's name, Cameron? Hannah. 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 Very nice name. Hannah. Hannah, I would. I here's what you need to do to win Survivor. I would go to the person closest to you right now. Maybe it's your, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a beloved best friend, and I, I would betray them, and that will prepare you for Survivor. That's all you need to do. It's that simple. I know Survivor's still on because the other day they showed a clip of a girl passing out. She was standing on. They had to stand up on this like log yeah, for poles. you know who knows how long, and she straight passed out. And they just kept filming, and whatever that yeah. guy's name is went over and. Jeff. They give her medical stuff, and then she's like, "I want to still play." So well, that, it's on. That really that does happen. I do that at staff meeting every Monday. I make <laughs> Jesse and Tyler stand on a log and see which one can last the longest. Yeah, and, and, and as a true. twist, as a twist, a lot of people know this. We're throwing axes at each other. So 
we're both staffing. extremely intoxicated. It's 10, it's 10 a.m. First thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Kathy Lee has dropped off several boxes of breakfast wine, <laughs> and Tyler and I dig in and start throwing axes at each other. It really gets the staff, the staff rip the staff ready to go it, on Monday. It's team building. Everybody it. takes bets. Everyone look out! And I'm just playing. <laughs> <you know. laughs> Get, fill, refill my rosé ah! and I just you know bomb you just have a much bigger staff but you know <laughs> but, but oh, literally we're, we're throwing they, axes. but literally limbs have been lost so it's technically a much smaller staff <laughs> on a very special relevant <laughs> podcast all right okay that'll do it for your ask the cast questions and last week's question of the week thanks for everybody uh writing in hey i want to thank squarespace for making the episode possible remember you can go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial and when you're ready to launch your site use the offer code relevant to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain Thanks also to Amanda Lindsay Cook for joining us on the show. You can follow her on Twitter at Amanda Lind Cook. But if you're going to unplug and try to find your own version of the House on the Hill, uh, you can't follow her on Twitter. Yeah, so exactly. I don't know. It's a conundrum. Her new album, House on a Hill, is out now. Go get it. It's phenomenal. Also, I want to thank Jamie Ivy for joining us. You can follow her at Jamie underscore Ivy or uh, at jamieivy.com. Her uh, podcast the happy hour is available everywhere it was a lot of fun jamie thanks for sitting in with us y'all i dream come true thank you bucket list check relevant thank podcast you. thank you and now you can go um in your car and just cry about I your know, experience yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now that this well, is I, can your- I, I will say this this morning i was like if i can just get jesse to make a episode long joke out of something I say, my deal, my day is oh, done. Really? So thank you. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. You really teed me up there. A runaway, yeah. For, for a our, runaway tiny house. You, you had me at don't have to pay taxes. And then I was all in. I was like, whatever she's saying, I'm going to remember very, very. Intimate. Okay, well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. Tyler Huckabee. Jamie Ivey. And we will see you on Tuesday. Have a good weekend, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Someday I'll be better now that you're gone. me i'm really busy i built this tiny house on top of a hill and it rolled away relevant podcast network